The Spirit Award nominations are in, and we're going to talk all about them, plus AFI Fest recapped. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Film Critics Weekly right here on the Popcorn Talk Network. I, of course, am Scott Menzel, the founder of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. And joining me today for a lively conversation about independent cinema is Mr. Steven Saito. Hi. So, Stephen, uh, where can the people find you? Where can they read your work? Uh, I have a site. I write for a site called The Movable Fest, and we're at www.movablefest.com. Awesome. So, uh, Stephen is the perfect person to have uh, on this show because he's one of the members of our organization who feels so passionately about independent film. He He's the guy who goes to even the bigger festivals and still seeks out the smaller indie, indies <laughs> instead of going to the big premieres, and we love him for it because he spreads the word of mouth about these small movies that so, ma- so many of you have missed. Um, so uh, before we go into the nominations, uh, what was your overall thoughts on the Spirit Award nominations? Were you, were you satisfied? Did you think something got left out? Um, I'm not sure whether I thought anything got left out. I mean, the thing is is that there's so many worthy independents this year that it, it's I, if you get caught up in what got left out, I think you would there's a list for days. Um, but I think at the same time, I think they did a good job of um, really stepping out of the shadow of the other award ceremonies. There are a lot of films on here that um, I don't think are going to either get attention from the Academy or... Um, and I think that that's really one of the best things that the Spirit Awards can do is, is bring attention to movies that, um, you know, really are worthy of praise and uh, aren't going to be acknowledged elsewhere. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that there was one movie that kept coming up on this list that I felt like I was very surprised that it had this big of a pull in the Independent Spirit Awards because I, I think it was right on the cusp of like not even qualifying to be in this. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it was nice seeing some of these smaller titles get some love. Um, there's still many of which that I felt like were either left out or like in odd categories where I felt like, why is that person there and shouldn't it be in this category? Um, but overall, I always get excited about the Spirit Awards because I feel like they really are different than all the other award ceremonies because they really try to focus on films that some people may know and some of them are bigger than others, but there's a lot of smaller movies that few of which I didn't even see that now I will probably go back and watch and uh, try to see it before the ceremony. Absolutely. Well, one of my favorites, um, this film called Give Me Liberty, turned out to be one of the big, uh, I mean, they got four nominations, so it's among the top nominees there, and it had, that was a movie that felt like it got overshadowed at Sundance, where it was in the next category, and then it had a small release in August of this year, and it's an incredible movie. It's uh, it's set in Milwaukee and about this uh, this emer- this sort of ambulance driver who attends to special needs people, but he has to. He's also pulled in by his Russian family, and it's this crazy energetic movie. And the amount of effort that went into this movie, I mean, they really 
had the entire com- an entire community buy in on it, um, it really is something that should be celebrated, and it's every bit as entertaining as any other film I can think of this year. So I was so happy to see it get some attention. And as someone who has went to Sundance and goes to Sundance every year, I never heard of it. I didn't. I don't even. I don't even remember it playing at Sundance. So, you know, this is why we need things like Film Independent and why we need the Spirit Awards because it brings light to these smaller films that, you know, the, yeah, I, I'm in the industry. I see movies every day of the week and I still never heard of it. So if I haven't heard of it, you know, obviously regular people are not going to be hearing about these movies. So um, that, that movie sounds interesting. I hope they send us a screener because I actually want to watch it now. It sounds really great. Um, so in terms of, we're going to just do a rundown. We're going to start, of course, uh, with Best Feature. And the nominees that were in here uh, are A Hidden Life, Clemency, The Farewell, Marriage Story, Uncut Gems. Solid category for sure. Some missing, I feel. Uh, your thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm really, really happy about both Uncut Gems and Clemency, which I think are two movies that, because they're coming out at the end of the year, uh, not a lot of people have seen them yet, and they, they would be definitely within my top ten of the year, so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was a good category, I, it's always interesting because they have a 22.5 million dollar budget line which yeah. is a really random uh <laughs> thing um but i yeah no i i'm trying to think i mean when you see other films that are the interesting thing about the spirit awards too is that when you see other movies nominated in other categories it sort of clues you into what may be missing from the top category um I probably would have included Loose in the, oh, in the 100%. best feature. Me too. Um, Last Black Man in San Francisco I'm also seeing as a best first feature. And and they have a habit of doing that um, at the Spirits where it really is sort of a spread the wealth kind of thing. Um, that's why Marriage Story wasn't eligible for any other category except for best features because they're giving it a Robert Altman award, which covers the ensemble. Yeah, I, I think I mean Marriage Story was the one that like I look at these movies and I and I and I feel that they're they're kind of a celebration of independent film in in various ways and, and not to discredit Marriage Story because I, I think Marriage Story is in my top five of the year. I think it's an incredible, remarkable film. But when I see that in here among these other ones, I kind of say to myself, is it you know, like I know the budget is uh small. But at the same time, like it's the weird thing where I would rather have seen a loose or a waves um, in this category instead. And um, hell, I I think even Booksmart would have been. I mean, I know it's in first feature, but in terms of the type of movie and the type of the independent feel, I don't get the independent vibe from Marriage Story. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And that's that's another thing about the Spirit Awards is I, I think they're um, the Film Independent allows the producers to submit the movies so and it's it's voted on by committee um, which is always a little mysterious as well so it's yeah it the nominating process for this is always a little bit strange. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on uncut gems. You know, I, I, I of course, uh, love those those guys. I, I think Sandler is phenomenal in the film, 
But, um, you know, I, I, there's certain aspects of it that I really kind of bug me, and I don't think it's as good as Good Time. Um, but, you know, I still think it's a great movie, and I, and I think that people are really going to be on the fence. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, to me, Uncut Gems is the independent Joker, where I feel like people are going to go into that and either love it or hate it. You know, there's not going to be much middle ground with that movie. Well, and it's it's interesting. I, I feel like that actually is something. I mean, I, Uncut Gems is probably the one I'm most excited about in the best feature category. Yeah. Because, like, and I'm now thinking about Waves as well. Those are really experiences. I mean, you're, you're in that movie from the first second and... You can you can either feel that that's like an abrasive thing that you don't want to be a part of, or once you're in it, you're really sucked in. And and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I I'm a huge Uncut Gems fan, and um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy to see it in there. <laughs> um, and and you know, yeah, but it is always weird. I mean, you're seeing throughout this interesting duality with like. Hidden Life and Marriage Story in the Best Feature category, and you're right, those don't necessarily feel like indie productions. They're made by by people that have had the support of the industry for the longest time, yes. and at the same time, you've got all this that want to support new voices and, and bring new people into the fold. So, yeah, it's always an interesting tension. Yeah, I, I agree, <laughs> and, and, and what's also interesting to me is that with how much love, and we'll talk, we'll talk about it as it comes up, but how there was so much love for Lighthouse, and yet Lighthouse totally missed this category, which is it's very interesting. That me. is interesting, yeah. And, I mean, I can sort of understand that, though, as well. I mean, I, I really think, like, at least Lighthouse for me was really in the performances more yeah. than the piece itself. But, um, and I, yeah, I believe they both got nominated, and, and yeah, Robert Eggers got nominated for director. I. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on to uh, best first feature, uh, we have Booksmart, The Climb, Diane, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Mustang, and See You Yesterday. This was, uh, again, this is another interesting category um, for me. I, I, I feel like throwing the mustang in here was was very interesting on on their be, uh, on the spirit awards because i think everyone has forgotten about the mustang i i really like that was a movie that came out what march earlier this year and uh it was also wasn't it supposed to come out like last year and something happened where they wound up pushing it yeah i think that that I, well it's yeah, no, that that sounds right to me. Yeah. They, it was at Sunday. I I actually did see this at Sundance and and I liked it. Um it did sort of fade from memory, but um this was an interesting case. Best first feature usually is a category where they support something that um doesn't have distribution or has played the festival circuit and I think Mustang really benefited from the fact that it was distributed by Focus uh, you know all of these have major distributors behind them even See You Yesterday which is a Netflix title so yeah it um Although I can't, I can't argue with some of the choices. I mean, I, I really like Booksmart. I really like Last Black Man in San Francisco. And uh, Diane is really a nice movie as well that, that came out, I think, in March. And um, I think is coming back because of Mary Kay Place's performance being, you know, talked up. So, Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting. IFC has done a really good job this year of actually pushing their movies a little bit better. I mean, 
which you know, if, if people may not know about award season, it really comes down to the amount of money you can spend. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of talk about this and criticism about this, and Netflix knows how to do this. I mean, if you, as someone who gets screeners, and you too, Stephen, you know, we see the differences in packages and like what they look like. It's like you know, you get it. Is it come in an envelope or does it come in just like a little plastic like white sleeve? And, uh, you know, the smaller studios can't afford to give, like, a big marriage story book with two, you know, with letters in there, um, which I think, unfortunately, sometimes puts the smaller films at a disadvantage because it gets buried to put it on the table. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that. And then the marriage story gets piled on top of it. And then, oh, the, the missing link book came and that gets piled on top of it. Um, but I, I appreciate them as, as smaller studios and as someone who values the smaller movies. I love that they were one of the first people to send a screener and that they were able to kind of get the word out about this in The Nightingale, which The Nightingale completely snubbed from all this, which is surprising to me considering the love that the independent film industry has for Jennifer Kent. I, th- I, I mean, she doesn't fit in this category, but I'm just saying, like, I'm surprised she didn't even get any mention at all. The the more you talk about this, the more I'm going to realize all the people, all the wonderful yeah. films that got snubbed. Because, yes, no, I mean, Jennifer Gent belongs here. Um, yeah, no, I, The Nightingale... The Nightingale, I mean, it, it's it's so interesting that we're going to wind up talking about, you know, how a film's profile is sort of built up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the thing, going back to the Mustang, the thing is, is that... When you get a package, often a distributor will send a bunch of movies. So you're maybe more interested, or you're maybe more interested than if you just get the one movie when you get yes. like a slate, um, and which is may have contributed to the Mustang being on the list um, that people actually took an interest in it. The same with the Nightingale. Nightingale is a tough movie um, because they took an interesting festival route last year where it seemed like. Um, they didn't go to Toronto. They premiered in Venice, where not a lot of critics saw it. They waited until Sundance, where by that time it wasn't considered like a new film, so less press would go to see it. And then it came out during the summer, and yeah, I was struck by just how remarkable a movie this was. And even in my own mind, and being so excited about Jennifer Kent, um, I was feeling like a summer release for that movie. Um, I felt like it had sort of been under the radar even for myself, who covers covers yeah. this space really uh, aggressively. So, yeah, no, it, um, I think that that's why a movie like that isn't on here is because they and, – and I'm so glad that, you know, now it's getting a little bit more attention thanks to the awards uh, talk, but uh, – yeah, no, it's it's interesting how these movies come come in and out of uh, consciousness. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like Booksmart also came out earlier in the year. It was beloved by everyone in the industry, but it didn't do too well at the box office. You know, um, same thing with Last Last Black Man, right? Like, I feel like that was a movie that came out at Sundance. Everyone was really talking it up. It kind of came and went very quickly. It was not not one of the stronger A twenty four pushes either. I, I felt like they did very little. I, I don't even think I got a Junkin invite for that one. Well, you know, the interesting thing, it actually made, I think, like around $6 million, which is pretty good for a low profile. But, yeah, no, it was – and I think that part of that was that it didn't have 
I know Danny Glover's in it, but I think that they had a hard time getting getting the there was no star you know, they could build farewell around Aquafina. They couldn't really do that with Last Black Man in San Francisco, even though it has two remarkable performances at the center um, from Joe Talbot and uh, Jonathan Majors. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a wonderful, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's... Studying film every day is fascinating. It's a fascinating <laughs> journey, not only just seeing the movie, but actually talking about it and looking at what they do with marketing campaigns and reward season. <laughs> it's all very interesting. Um, moving on to the John Cassavetes Award, uh, I am going to be 100% honest and say that I have not seen a single one. I'm ashamed <laughs> that I have not seen a single movie on this list. Uh, Burning Cane, Coldwell, Give Me Liberty, Premature, Wild Nights with Emily, and actually the only one I heard of on this list is Wild Nights with Emily. Uh, well, there, there's I, the reason for part of that is that Colwell, which is a really special film, hasn't yet actually, I don't believe Colwell has a distributor yet. It, it premiered at the San Francisco Film Festival, um, and I was really happy to see Karen Allen get a nomination for it. Um, she's she plays a postal worker, and it's an interesting movie about how the post office is going to be shut down um, in a town that doesn't have really access to much communication otherwise in America. Um, it's a really lovely small film, the the kind that I feel the Spirit Award should be championing. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of the, uh, what what makes me excited is Burning Kane. Um, is it was recently distributed by Ava DuVernay's company Array, and it's now on Netflix. Anybody can watch it. And so, when the Spirit Awards happen, I think that a really exciting thing is you know people are going to be able. And I, I'm guessing the same is true of Give Me Liberty. Um, people are just going to be able to stream it at their when they want to do it when they hear the name of the movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting. I a lot of people haven't seen these films, and, and Premature hasn't come out yet. That was a Sundance movie earlier this year, also in the next category. And um, yeah, I think that comes out in early January, so they'll also get some buzz from from that one. Yeah, I I mean I I have nothing to add because I haven't seen any of them, but. Um, Again, this is what I love about this movies like this is and, and ceremonies like this is because I now will go back and watch these movies. It, it brings awareness to like these underrepresented films. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing all of those, and I will now that I've seen all the big stuff, and I will vote for for our category and then Critics' Choice next week. I will uh, be able to catch up on all these other smaller movies that I missed out on uh, and then hopefully uh, participate in the Spirit Awards voting as well. Um, Best Director, I am going to butcher all of these names, by by the way, and I apologize. Uh, So I might just name the movies instead of doing that. Uh, So I'm going to say Best Director, Honey Boy Got Best Director, Hustlers, Loose, The Lighthouse, and Uncut Gems. Uh, this is the most solid category <laughs> was, of this of the bunch. I was gonna say, if you look at it and you think to yourself, "Well, maybe this should have been the best first. <laughs> this should have been the best feature." Uh, no, it's strange how that happens. Yes, no, I think this is the best category, and I, I, I and I would be. I, I, my 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 personal opinion of the lighthouse is that it's not very good, um, and especially when you compare it to the witch. 
but I would be happy with any of the other people winning. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what I can say looking over it is I don't think that these films could have been made by anybody else, yes, which is how the director true. category probably should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, Luce is in here because, I mean, I've, I've been championing that movie since I've seen it back at Sundance, another movie that was very quiet, right? That had a very quiet... I, I felt like when I tweeted, like, a lot of... When you tweet at film festivals, if it's a bigger premiere, there's always, like, a lot of, like, interaction with it. Loose, I remember tweeting, and it was, like, nothing. I want to say that that actually premiered later in the festival, too, which was also... At the library? Yeah. And that that was, you know, it was frustrating with both Loose and uh, Clemency that they came came later in the festival, and I think less people got a chance to see them. So, and they were were among the strongest movies of the festival. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy for Honey Boy. I, 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 this is another movie that I've been championing for a while now. And I, I feel it's very personal to Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Alma has been, uh, the director, has been such a sweetheart every time I've seen her. Uh, just, just very humble. Really, really seems concerned about mental illness and also about depression and anxiety. Um, you know, which, which to me helps sell the movie more. It makes me want to root for the movie more because you can tell that everyone behind it is actually passionate about it and it's important to them. Um, and then, you know, ni- nice to see uh, Hustlers get some love. Nice to, get, nice to see that. I actually, and I was a little disappointed that uh, Jennifer Lopez didn't get some, which is a strange thing for me to say. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised that she wasn't in the female lead category. Uh, yeah. Because it's a knockout performance. In yeah, that film. she's so good in that movie. Uh, it, I will give it, it to because I would never say that either. <laughs> um, best screenplay, uh, moving over to there. Uh, here, here's, our, here's our marriage story back over here. Uh, to Dust, uh, Uncut Gems, Clemency. And High Flying Bird, which uh, Aaron Aaron Newworth actually pointed out and wanted to put into our our voting as well. So, um, congrats for that nomination. Well, I was a little disappointed the other day when we got screeners for uh, the Laundromat, and I feel that the that High Flying Bird is the stronger of the two Soderbergh movies this year. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I mean I and and another one, um, yeah, no, High Flying Bird, I think. I, I would have put that in the best feature category also. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what they what they pick, but I mean this is another this is a pretty strong category. Did you see Two Dust? I did, and and that's got a fascinating story behind it, because it's um it's about a Hasidic uh or yeah, it's about a Hasidic Jew who uh needs to bury his wife and contacts Matthew Broderick, who's a sort of... uh, It's an interesting extension of his character in election. He's sort of a (laughs) dead-end professor at a a community college. And, yeah, it's this really wonderful little culture clash comedy. Um, But has, like... I mean, the... Sean Snyder, like, um, he he steeped himself in knowledge of the Talmud and, and like, I mean, the amount of research that went in, I mean, I, I feel it deserves a screenplay nomination just for, you know, what he was able to, ex- what he was able to extract from, you know, religious texts yeah. um, in order to make an entertaining movie. So that one sounds interesting too. I gotta, I gotta check that one out. I have seen everything else on this and I agree. I mean, I know this is not nominated here, but like, 
why we got a laundromat screener in just general, I'm I'm very confused. I'm very very, very confused. And I want to be clear. I like I actually like laundromat, but yeah, wow. I mean, I, the middle the or because it's episodic. It's more or less episodic. The middle section of it um, with the family uh, just kills me. But okay. um, yeah, I, I it's. I, I, yeah, it's an interesting uh, high fly, and I feel like High Flying Bird is coming. It's High Flying Bird. The uh, the fact that it came out in February, and uh, I think it's being championed by people now who feel like it got a little bit of a shaft back then, and uh, so I'm happy to see it coming back. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a festival killing a, a movie's buzz. I don't think anything killed. The Laundry Bats buzz more than the Toronto International Film Festival. It's true. If if you were standing in line and anybody had seen the Laundromat, which again was it contributed probably why I had a I, I saw it about two weeks after Toronto and uh, I you know I, I got to enjoy it on its own terms, but uh, <laughs> yeah no it, it it was it was pretty toxic <laughs> Toronto <laughs> for that film. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to first, uh, best first screenplay, uh, See You Yesterday, Driveways, Blow the Man Down, which also premiered at AFI Fest. It premiered at Tribeca, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is, Blow the Man Down is near and dear to my heart. It's, um, it premiered at Tribeca. It's just one of the most wonderful films I've seen in a while. Um, It's about a murder, or no, it's about a, it's a small fishing village in Maine, and, um, these two young women find out that basically the lives that they thought that they grew up with amongst all the women in this town who sort of remained silent, they they find out, you know, there were murders and all kinds of crimes going on and uh, there's sea shanties being sung and Margot Martindale is like the heavy in it and it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful movie. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Greener Grass and the Vast of the Night. Uh, so, it, this this again, you know, you you kind of like, you look at some of these categories, and then you look at like a category like this, and here's a completely more like really indie, a really indie thing where like most of the most of America probably never even heard of any of these movies. Uh, yeah, well, and and the good thing is, with the exception of Gr- Greener Grass is now in theaters, and see yesterday again is on Netflix. Um, Driveways, Blow the Man Down, and Fast of Night, I think all should get a boost going into their releases next. They're they're all coming out next year, and they should get boosted. I mean, Fast of Night is an interesting movie because that premiered at Slamdance and didn't get much attention at all, and then um, and then got selected by Toronto and got picked up by Amazon, and it's going to be for for an indie film. It's going to be a big deal next year. So, yeah, it's always nice to see. I, it's a really strong category in terms of like people to be really excited about. Yeah. Uh, moving on to best cinematography, uh, we have Hustlers, The Lighthouse, Honey Boy, The Third Wife, and Midsommar. <laughs> uh, I will say this, that um, Midsommar is really surprising to me that this is the only category that it's in on this list because I feel I feel like a crazy madman when I say that I only thought that movie was okay because I feel like people love this movie but um, I guess cinematography I don't know I mean I, if anything I thought I thought Florence should have gotten it for actress because I think she's I agree 
What's your take on Midsummer? I, you know, I, I, well, I'm steadily more. I'm, I'm a rare non-hereditary fan. Okay. So, okay. Um, I, I've been. It was interesting. I, I'm. I like Midsommar. Uh, I, I, it wasn't one of my favorite films of the year. I think that Florence Pugh is amazing in yeah. it. Um, Cinematography is an interesting thing. I think that they did do some really interesting stuff with... I mean, it, it is a horror film shot in the day, so um, that's unusual. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm steadily warming to Ari Aster. <laughs> um, He's a very disturbed man, I have yes, a feeling to be. I think, uh, yeah, there's no question about that. Um... And yeah, they did some really, I mean, there, there's some really, I mean, when you read about what, what either Jaron Blaschke did for The Lighthouse or Natasha Brer for Honey Boy, you know, um, I, what they did to make the films look the way they did really is extraordinary. This is, this is the category where I would put Lighthouse 100%, because I think if anything about Lighthouse that stood out to me, because I'm not a fan of that movie, um, is is the either the direction and also the cinematography because I just I think it's the way that it's crafted is very unique and it really stands out. Yeah, and and that may be. I mean, I, I I'm with you on the lighthouse. I mean, I think the the, the lighthouse. I think actually. Part of the reason that I'm a little bit feel a little distant from it is how extraordinary the craft is, and it feels like it's a production. I mean, I, I never got involved in it because it was it feels like such a amazing production that you know it it feels like there's a little bit distant of distance there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I, I that is the one that will be the movie this year that like I will just shake my head and I'll never understand it because. <laughs> I get the the camera work. I get I get the idea. I get the concept, but the execution for me, and and I, I mean, even the performances. Like I, people are like, oh, the performances are so great. I'm kind of like, is it? It's like William Defoe doing like a Boston accent and Robert Pattinson doing a Boston accent, which kind of fades in and out pretty much consecutively throughout the freaking movie. <laughs> so like. I don't know about that movie, and I, I just felt like it was so empty when I walked out of it. Like I just well, and and I feel like you either want to hang with those guys for two hours and or watch you them don't. fart and masturbate. Yeah. I mean, some people want that. Some, good for them. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. To each their own. Um, moving on to best editing: uh, Third Wife, Uncut Gems, Sort of Trust, The Lighthouse, Give Me Liberty. Uh, good, 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 good. Uh, I mean, I, is there any doubt that Uncut Gems is going to win this? I don't think so. I think it's got the highest profile. <laughs> um, I, and, yeah, no, this was a strange... I'm Sort of Trust, I was a little... Sort of Trust is a really nice, low-key movie. Editing would not have been no. where I would have thought that you would have nominated <laughs> this. Um yeah, no, it's a it's a strange. Uh, yeah, uncut gems. I think is gonna is gonna take. This. Yeah, uh, and then uh, best female lead. Uh, we got Colwell. We got Driveway. We got Her Smell. We got Diane. We got Clemency, and we got Judy. Judy just like it sticks out here like as like a sore thumb. Like it's like <laughs> why is this here? The, I know like everyone wants Renee, and I'm just like, does this fit in this category at all? Like especially considering the other movies, it's the most. Oscar chasing yes. thing that you see in this entire list of nominees, yeah. I think, is like this was the one where it was like people knew that she's going to be likely nominated for an Oscar, so she'll get nominated here. Um, 
again, I was, I was, it's a lot of, I mean, it's an interesting category because there were three, um, Colwell driveway, or Karen Allen for Colwell, Hong Chow for driveways, and Mary Kay Place for Diane are all very, very low-key, you know, quiet, simmering performances, and then, and then, yes, you've got Judy and her smell, uh, (laughs) Elizabeth Moss is a complete force of nature and her yeah. smell. Um, so, yeah, there are going to be some – for voters, it's going to be very clearly – there are going to be some very clear decisions made, I think, based on the acting styles involved. Um, and, yeah, Alfre Woodard may actually be the, the best in the category in Clemency. I mean, she's remarkable in that film. Yeah, I mean, if I had to take a, a guess at this, I would say that uh, – uh, Woodward or uh, Moss is going to probably walk away with this, just given the type of award ceremony it is. I mean, it's nice that they put Renee in there, but uh, I would be uh, shocked if she walks away with it at this, this you know, awards. I, I, I wonder whether you even attend this cer- I mean, <laughs> ceremony, just given that it's, I think, one of Roadside Attractions only, I think that may be their only nomination here, and... Um, yeah, it's a strange thing to just nominate it for that one. I mean, that that particular movie for that one award. It's unusual. I, I agree with you. Uh, so, best male lead, we have Give Me Give Me Liberty. We have Kelvin Harrison Jr. for Loose. Robert Pattinson for The Lighthouse. Uh, Matthias, how do you pronounce that last name? Uh, Schoenertz. Okay, for the Mustang, and then Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. This is a great category. <laughs> It's another really great category. And, Although Patterson can be replaced by someone else, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and honestly, I the Chris Galoost for Give Me Liberty is the one I'm a little unsure of. Um, it's, it's, I'm happy he got nominated. He was not actually an actor before doing the movie, and it's a it's a nice. It's a nice role, but it, um, I I would say it's between Kelvin Harrison and, and Adam Sandler probably in this category. Um, and yeah, both both are incredible in those in in oh, yeah. uncut gems respectively. It's a tough it's a tough call because it's like I feel like this movie for Sandler is is kind of like his comeback movie, right? It's it's very much like Dolomite's not in any of these, and I don't think it qualifies. But I'm just saying like. It's like that Freddie Murphy, where I kind of want to root for him, but I think Kelvin Harrison Jr. is just a force of nature in everything. That I, I think he's the more worthy one, because it's just like his. He, like this is the start of his career, and I, I just would like to see him get it. Well, and a, a plug for our organization, <laughs> the yeah. LAFCS. I'm so proud that we're going to be honoring him this year. This is the interesting thing about this kind of thing also is that he's he's extraordinary both in Loose and in Waves. And because you're giving it for one film, that typically means you can't do it for another. So, yeah, yeah it's I'm really proud of our organization for for recognizing that because I think he's incredible in in two films this year. He he was incredible in Jin last year. I mean, he's he's been doing just incredible work in the last. I mean, he feels like a supernova over the past couple of years. Yeah, and I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. He told me he's actually doing something a little lighthearted. So, looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> um, best Supporting Female, here's your Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. Uh, Taylor Russell for Waves, the only mention of Waves on this entire list. Uh, Lauren Lolo Spencer for Give Me Liberty. Octavia Spencer for Loose. And, uh, God, I, I'm so bad to pronounce that for me. I don't want to butcher it. For Farewell. 
Oh, uh, Xiao Xuxin. Yes. The Farrell. grandmother. The grandma. Yes. This is also a very strong category. Uh, and I don't know. This is this is either like going to be a power play, or they're going to go for like the lesser known. And I don't I don't know how it's going to swing because you got Octavia Spencer going up against Jennifer Lopez in terms of like big name giving great performance, or then you have the smaller people like Lauren and Taylor for their smaller films. I I, I actually and I apologize for I for missing that earlier. I did not know Jennifer Lopez was nominated, but I'm, I she I mean she owns that movie in such a way that I I sort of feel like you have to vote for her. <laughs> but uh, I I you know listen I think that that I, and the other thing about some some of these awards is they're about narratives. I think that both uh, Xiao Zhuzhen and Lauren Lolo Spencer have really compelling stories. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if one of those snuck in. Um, Octavia Spencer, it's great to see you're nominated. I think that, you know, in this situation where you've got four other people that haven't that haven't won awards before, I think that that's going to play into things. Interesting. So what do you think, Jennifer Lopez then? If I, I would could, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's like there's this there's this push for this, right? There is really this push for her in that. Well, the interesting thing about I just thought about this with Taylor Russell is that um, her part of the movie is the part of the movie that you can't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for her to get more traction as it goes on because I think people are going to be reticent to talk about the last portion of the film where her performance is really the strong or the oh, most I agree. part. Of I that. agree. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a tough category. Uh, best Supporting Male, we got William Defoe for The Lighthouse, Noah Jupe for Honey Boy, Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy, Jonathan Majors for The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, Francisco, Francisco, <laughs> uh, Wendell Pierce for Burning Cane. Um, I did want to, I pointed this out yesterday, uh, Noah Jupe should not be in this category. He, he should be in um, Regular Male. Regular actor. Uh, I, I agree. And it's yeah. no, it's even on Amazon's site. I don't know why it's in here. I again, I think this is a situation where film independent just went their own way. <laughs> and, uh, but I agree. I mean, I think that the unfortunate thing is that I think that those two performances cancel each other out. You know, if you're voting on the film, so I mean, and, and they're both incredible. I mean, it isn't. Um, that's another category flaw. I think. Well, we saw but, it last year with the favorite. Yeah, where it was uh, Emma up against Rachel. Totally, like, didn't get any any win anywhere. Right? It was like maybe one or somewhere, but. Well, and it, it's interesting because everybody thought Olivia Coleman was a mistake in yeah. the uh, supporting actress category, and then she won the best actress category. So, yeah. hey, if they had put Noah Jupe in, in uh, best actor, maybe he would have had a better shot at. Uh, and I'm not saying I. I mean, I think he's got. I. I also. I mean, I'm not sure whether he actually has a, a good shot against Shia because Shia has such a great story going into this, and people may want to honor him for screenplay as much as right. And, I, and that was also surprising, right? How did he not get a screenplay? Yeah, for this this movie's so it's personal true. and so good. The <laughs> script is so good. I don't know, but yeah, that's just strange to me. All right, uh, going over uh, Robert Altman Award. We already talked about that's Marriage Story. Um, going on to Best Documentary, American Factory, uh, Apollo Eleven for Sama, 
Honeyland Island of Hungry Ghosts. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that you did not see the snow crab movie or the crab movie in Australia. <laughs> no, I was I, surprised. No, no, I did yeah. not, sir. No, it, I, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating movie about the erosion of crabs in. Uh, yeah, I believe it's Australia, and it's a. It's a. There are two movies in here, both Honeyland and Island of Hungry Ghosts, that are both unusual approaches to climate change. Um, but they're very, very. I'm. They're both very, very small films that played on the festival circuit. And yet, I feel like the two of the other. Well, actually, three. I feel like American Factory, Apollo Eleven, and Forsama have been. There haven't been that many documentaries that were very buzzed about this year, but these three are the ones that I feel like were like really talked up, especially Apollo Eleven. Yeah. Which I feel like is going to be, or is the front runner for documentary pretty much everywhere. Well, I, you know, I actually, this is another case where I think that I, I think Apollo 11 may have peaked too early. Okay. Um, I think American Factory is going to be the big, I, I think it's strongest because it's a, it's going to be seen as a career award for Julia Reichert and Stephen Bognar. Um, they actually have a retrospective right now at UCLA. They had a retrospective in New York. Um, the documentary community, they're revered people within the documentary community. And um, while Apollo 11 is great, um, I think that, you know, American, Fa- and American Factory has the added bonus of being produced by the Obamas, which oh, yeah. um, I think Netflix really, you know, would like to see them, you know, have their first production out be an Oscar winner. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Best International Film, uh, Invisible Life, Les Miserables, uh, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, Retablo. Yeah, Retablo. Retablo and The Souvenir. Um, I'm going to make an honest confession. I hated, hated, hated Portrait of Lady of Fire. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I was, in, I was, felt like I was being tortured for two hours when I was watching that movie. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I've been holding that was, in for a very long time. I was going to say that my, my favorite thing about this category is that <laughs> unlike the Oscars, uh, after Portrait of a Lady on Fire did not uh, get selected by France, that they could include two films from France because I, I do, I love both Les Miserables and Portrait of a Lady I'm alone on, on that, by the way, for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. A lot of people <sighs> love that. And I, I saw many people say that it would be in their top ten and they're not even sure if it can can be in their top ten now because it's the they're, 2020 release date, right? They're going to do a qualifying run, I think, so okay. it will count. But um, I and I mean, this category really—I mean, I think any international film category this year for any awards ceremony, I, I can't see anything stopping *Parasite*. So, nope. Um, I, I love a lot of the movies on this list. I'm really glad of *Invisible Life* from Brazil, which um, is going to be a late shower um that's coming out december 25th i believe but yeah no parasite is <laughs> parasite is the lock yes i mean it is the lock uh just real quick we don't have to talk about this because we want to give at least like five to ten minutes for afi fest sure. but uh bonnie award uh marielle heller kelly reichardt and uh lulu wong uh producers awards uh molly astor chris krista paris uh ryan zararas 
Uh, someone to watch awards. Oh my god, I'm just gonna say the movies because I'm gonna screw up all these names. <laughs> uh, premature, The Third Wife, and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and then Truth. Truer Than Fiction Award. Also, I'm just going to say the names of the movies. Black Mother, 17 Blocks, Land, and America. So, um, some some good categories there. The the only one that I, I needed to point out that I, I was very saddened about the lack of waves, but I was also incredibly saddened by the lack of Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> Which yes, is, surpri- you know, that's really surprising. I, now, you know, that's another one that's brought to light. Um, yeah, geez, that should have gotten nominated. It's the most successful indie of the year. I mean, it, it cleared $20 million, which no other film has done, even, I believe, A24 movies. So, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. You know, it was our, our movie pick of the week. I feel like everyone was talking about that when it came out. I feel like it did really well in theaters. And you have that you got the kid with autism in the movie who's freaking incredible. You got Shia LaBeouf pouring his heart again into that. The directors, their first time, first time screenwriters. I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, so as we move over to AFI Fest, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, I did not participate all that much. I went to do my uh, my big movies, uh, the movies I have not seen. I, I saw Richard Jewell there, and I also saw Queen and Slim. I was supposed to go to Marriage Story last night, but I already saw it, and they sent me the screener, so I kind of said, well, I already had the big screen experience for this. I'll stay home and watch it again. Um, but you, you're always committed. Uh, what were some of the standouts for you, and how do you, how do you feel about this whole charging for tickets thing this year? It's it was an interesting festival. Um, I think it was a better user experience for audiences attending because um, what they used to do there was they gave the tickets away for free, and so but then they would have um, they would say that they would overbook the theater so that the lines would often be, you know, only like half to two-thirds of the line would get in, so a lot of people got turned away. And it also overwhelmed all the volunteers on the ground um, that had to deal with the crushing mass of people that were being thrown into this already chaotic situation at Hollywood and Highland. Um, And so this year was a more relaxed festival, um, but you also had screenings that didn't that didn't have many people at them, um, which was unfortunate, but there were, I was, I was happy to see at a lot of films that even I was, I mean, even I was unaware of, um, there's a wonderful Serbian comedy called Ivana the Terrible that had a really nice turnout on Saturday. Um, another film, it was a really, really strong, uh, festival for female filmmakers, um, there's another film called Emma Slavic 7, um, that uh, Canadian film that's a lovely little movie that I can't imagine would show in Los Angeles otherwise if not for AFI Fest because um, it's about like an hour and five minutes long so it's a strange tweener of a movie in that sense but um, it had an okay turnout but it's a wonderful film and I think it really you know gave people in LA a chance to see it that's great um, how do you think this stuff played? I, I mean, you probably didn't see a lot of it, but um, things like The Friend, did you wind up seeing that here or did you see that in Toronto? I saw that in Toronto. I was super curious at what the turnout for that movie was because that that movie and Blackbird both came into AFI Fest 
still looking for distribution. I like both those films. Um, they're unusual festival films because they feel like the movies that studios have abandoned in recent years, so they don't really feel like independent films, but at the same time, they don't feel like... They're, they're really well-made. They're really nice dramas. Um, they sort of don't feel like the right fit it's where you take up the cause, like, oh, this is an exciting new voice, but at the same time, they also they need the kind of machinery to get the word out behind them that a studio would provide. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And they also, the interesting thing about a few of these movies is they used to play them at the Egyptian theater and they brought over the larger, the movies that they didn't want to put in the Chinese that were big premieres like Richard Jewell, but still have a higher profile like Just Mercy. They were putting in the Chinese one um, and it felt more of like a multiplex experience than being at a festival. <laughs> so it, it's an interesting, they're definitely in, in transition. I don't know what next year is going to look like. I hope it doesn't go the way of the LA film festival where um, they made a whole bunch of changes that didn't work out and, and decided to call it off. I don't see that happening with AFI, but they definitely need, um, they're going to learn some lessons yeah, from this year. I think, I mean, as someone who's been to AFI multiple times over the last, since I've lived out here, I've been, I've been there for five years in just different capacities. Like if I've gone to big premieres or I've actually tried to experience the festival as it is, I feel like it's always been very much unorganized and kind of a mess, um, which is also very saddening to hear because as a film festival in Hollywood – from a big name like AFI, American Film Institute, you would hope that they would have things organized. And, I mean, they do these great big galas and these big events, and you could tell, like, they're they're so sponsor-funded and studio-funded. They're very big things for the studios. But when it comes to those smaller movies, they just they just seem like they're a mess. They're just thrown together. No one really knows what they're doing. Um and, and I mean the, the ticketing system. I mean, here here's how I feel about that: is that I don't un, I never understood the logic of giving a ticket for free. I, I I don't like you have screenings every day of the year in LA where you go to a test screening, a public screening where you can get for free, whether it's GoFobo or Trey MC or Regal, or whatever. When you have a festival, you need to, it's, it's, it's part of the experience. You should pay and you should support the filmmakers and the films going there. So, like, I never was on board with, like, just being a free festival. That being said, what they charge for tickets I didn't think was that unreasonable either. But I don't think there was enough buildup or enough plan. And maybe what they should have started was maybe charging for, like, the galas or something like that first. And then maybe charging like five bucks, having different rates. Oh, I know. I agree with that completely. I I, I find it strange that because there a lot of movies come into AFI Fest that um, very few people are aware of, um, even if you follow international cinema. And that really is where a lot of the films, I mean, that really is a focus of theirs, is bringing all of these films that wouldn't traditionally come into America or have distribution in America. Um they bring them in, and 
Um, yeah, I, I thought that a variable pricing structure would have made a lot of sense for this. Um, and even because they do still have the wherewithal, I believe, to not charge for certain films. If I mean, they, they had a bunch of the awards, a bunch of the documentaries on the award track for free. I think that they should have made they have a new auteurs section that would have allowed people to take a chance on those movies. And I, my feeling was was that this year was a bad call on their part when they didn't have the kind of movies that would get people really, really excited. Um, while there's a lot of great films out there, it was strange to me that, you know, Uncut Gems didn't play AFI. Right. Movies that people would have absolutely paid to see, this was a selection that you really had to sort of take a chance on. And so... When you're charging, when you decide abruptly to charge for people after not charging for people, you have to have a slate of movies that can get people really excited. The friend and um, the friend and Blackbird both have, you know, a lot of a lot of sellable elements to it. But the fact is, is that people didn't see them in Toronto either, so there was no buzz coming into the festival and. They're really good movies, and uh, even when you have a lower profile, if you don't have a studio behind you that can sort of get the word out or the buzz from a previous festival, it's it's hard to get people out. Yeah, I think that's what, what film festivals struggle with is that, I mean, even at Sundance, um, and I and I love and support Sundance, and I've been supporting them, and it's it's that in Toronto are the two festivals that if I ever stopped doing anything in film <laughs> criticism, I would probably still pay and go to. Um but I just feel like there's so many movies that go under the radar, even in those big festivals. So when you have a smaller thing like this, and everyone's so used to getting everything for free, uh, just because this is the land of free, and in Hollywood is like, oh, me having to pay for a screening? Are there a screening? What's the press? You know, like where's the press screening? Where's the the promo screening? Whatever it is, like nobody, everyone's not used to paying here. <laughs> So, like, you have to give someone something that they want to pay for, and you have to have tears if you're going to charge something. you got to have, like, a $5, $10, $15. You know, I think $15 is cheap for a premiere. You know, like, to see Richard Jewell for 15 bucks, you well, know, that's, that's a bit, you know, that's cheap. But, like, to see, like, one of the movies that you mentioned... $15? bucks, i like, I don't know about that. Yeah, you don't, you don't know, and, I mean, it's... Um yeah, I, I it, it was an it was an inter- and the studios really don't support the festival either. I mean, that was an interesting thing. I mean, I went to the Just Mercy screening, and um, you know, they were going to have a conversation afterwards with Brian Stevenson, the real life lawyer involved in that case. But I was surprised, being in Los Angeles, that they couldn't bring out any one of the actors or director. I mean, anybody from the crew that actually lives here now. Um, I, it was an interesting. It was interesting in that respect that a lot they didn't have the support of a lot of the people, a lot of the apparatus involved in the release uh, as well. So, yeah, I think it came and went without the attention that it probably deserved. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. We will not be back next week because we have Thanksgiving holiday, but we'll be back the week after. Uh, Steven Saito, where can they find you? Uh, a site called the Movable Fest, uh, movablefest.com. All right. Sounds good. You can find me over at weliveentertainment.com. And uh, stay tuned. Uh, we will be doing Anatomy of the Movie next. And we're going to be talking about Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So check that out, and I'll be on that show. Take care.